Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. 9 a.m. service. Um, I do uh, echo what Ben said. It's going to be a fun time in the next service, and it's okay if you stick around. Um, no one will. Uh, no one will care if you do that. But uh, you know, we're doing something new. Um, we uh, we chat about this quite a bit. Just uh, how to do uh, foundational things in our kids' lives. How to. Uh, try to uh, do intergenerational things and stuff like that. and So we've come up with this idea where on the fifth Sunday, a month that has five Sundays, we're going to make that family Sunday where you can worship together with your family just because we want our kids to experience what goes on in here and to see you worship, to be with you in your worship, to uh, just you know, get that glimpse into that. And so um, we're trying this. We'll see if it, if it rolls or not. Um, uh, but I want to start with my part of what I'm doing by um, inviting kids to come up on the platform. And you guys are going to set the scene for what we're going to talk about today. So <laughs> some of you are already shaking your head saying, no way. But you know what? Enough of you, if enough of you come up, it's no big deal. But I want you to come up. Um, and help me kind of set the scene for what we're going to talk about today. All right? So if you're in children's church or kids in your Sunday school right now normally, come on up and help me out. All right. Come on up here, guys. All right? We're going, we're going way up, right? All right, Caden. Today I'm going to make you the shepherd, all right? So you can go stand off to the side right now for a minute. And I need, I need some of you to volunteer to be sheep. Who wants to be sheep? Janie, you'll be a sheep. Anybody else want to be a sheep? Johnny, you want to be a sheep? Okay, you can go over there. Let's have a couple more. Who else wants to be sheep? All right. You, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. All right. Now, a couple of you need to be wolves. Ryan, you want to be a wolf? Can you pull that off? All right, let's see your wolf face. You don't have one. <laughs> all right, so Brian, you stand over there, all right? I need one more wolf. Oh, I tell you what, one's good enough, all right? The rest of you guys get to be what we're going to call a sheepfold. Now, that sounds fun, doesn't it? Really what it is is just a pile of rocks. So, but here's how we're going to do this, all right? Let's start right here, all right? I'm going to have you stand right there. And you stand right here. Can you hold her hand? There you go. All right, Cole. Come over here. Um, see how, how many do I have? All right, so kind of go like this. Stan, can you hold her hand? Zeke, let me put you over here. All right, and you can hold Cole's hand. All right. Man, I need some more kids. Do I need some adults that will be willing to come up? All right. This sheep, this sheep fold is not very big. It's pretty tight. All right. <laughs> okay. I tell you what, let me grab one of you sheep and make you a rock. Johnny, you want to come over here? Are you really sold on being a sheep? You okay being a rock? <laughs> kind of. Come on over here. <laughs> All right, so here's the idea. 
um, when Jesus is teaching what, he, uh, what we're going to talk about today, he introduces them to the idea of, a, of, of sheep, shepherd, and sheepfold, right? And a sheepfold was really an enclosure or a pen in that day. Sometimes it was in the, in the, uh, in the there was always one in town um, that everybody kind of used together. But often there would also be, in the summer months, when he'd be taking them out to different pastures, they would build these in the country. And what they would do is they would take rocks and they would pile them up like this and make a wall and enclosure. Now, they would leave uh, a, a section open like this, right? And obviously you got to get in and out. you got to have a place to, you're not going to climb the rocks. Oh, there's one other thing I thought would be fun to do if I have time. So, I don't know if I can pull this off or not. But, they would build these enclosures, and then on the top of the rocks, they would put, like, these thorns. All right? You guys got to wear thorns today. There you go. That was another, it was a way to, to protect from the wolves and the animals that would come and, there you go, Johnny, you got a lot of thorns, buddy. All right. So this, this is a layer of protection, right? We've got our great shepherd here, Caden, come here, who's, who's got his sheep out and they're, they're grazing on the green grass, right? They're spending their day just eating and, and hanging out. And finally, it comes along to be about nighttime. And so Caden's going to take his sheep, come on sheep, and you're going to get in this really big pasture, right? It's really not that big, but you're going to get in here. You want to, you want to get in the pasture? Or I mean in, the, in, your, in your sheepfold, right? And then the shepherd would um, not only be the one who provided for them, uh, took them where they needed to go, protected them, um, when they were out, made sure they didn't get lost, keep them from falling off a cliff, taking them to still water, quiet waters, so they would drink. Um, but he also, at nighttime, he would come and he would actually become the door for the sheep. Um, he would actually sit down or lay down, sit down, right in that opening, and all night long, he would be their door. He's the one who uh, helps them come in. He's the one who will allow them to go out. But also, he's the one who sits all night long and provides protection from them. Because what so often happened was the wolves at night would come and they would try to find a way in, right? You got to find a way in and you... You know, you put your paw up there on the uh, thorn and it hurts. And so, you, you know, you can't get in. You're looking for a way in. And there is no way in except for that entrance. And yet, because the shepherd was the door, was the gate, the wolf would not come in and would uh, find, try to find some other prey. And so that is the image, the picture. Thank you, guys. Can we give these guys a hand for doing that? Thanks, guys. You were a great rock. You all right? Yeah. I didn't cut anybody, did I? Everybody's okay? 
All right, thanks, guys. So Jesus, as we uh, uh, last last week, we were introduced to this whole idea of him being a shepherd. Um, just to give you a little bit of context, as we jump in here, um, our whole goal every Sunday is this: our prayer, because we do this thing where one guy talks to a group of people. And you just listen, and it's kind of different. And yet we truly believe that in these moments, as we've gathered together and the Spirit of God is, is here with us, that what happens is, is that the Spirit of God takes the Word of God, and in these moments, He opens our hearts to the Word of God, and He begins to work on us and transform us into the image of the Son of God. And so that's this dynamic. We always want to keep that front and center. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and transforms us into the image of the Son of God. And so right now, um, we are in the middle of our series, the I Am series, where um, quite honestly, on the surface, when you, when you uh, consider these bold declarations of Jesus Christ, this crystallization of everything that he was and said and did. It's, it's kind of crystallized in these seven statements. You would think this is just a, a chance for us to kind of go into a museum, the museum of Jesus, and take down something and look at it and say, wow, that's great about Jesus. And, and if I'm going to say this series is an, a series on identity, you would say, well, yeah, we're, we're figuring out Jesus' identity. We're, we're seeing who he is. It's all about his identity. But the more you dig into this, the more you try to figure out why was he revealing himself in this way? Why was he sharing this kind of metaphor with them? We begin to tap into, yeah, absolutely, every time Jesus was making a bold declaration of who he was because he was telling them and us that he truly was the divine son of God. He was the Savior sent from heaven. He was the incarnate God, man become flesh. Absolutely, he is revealing his identity. But in the metaphors he uses, in the pictures that he, he uses with this, these declarations, we begin to realize that this identity uh, that he is sharing is actually something that we need to clue into because actually what he's revealing to them, or to us, is something that we need to see that becomes a part of who we are to become. And so the series sentence is simply this. God reveals his identity to shape ours. And so when he makes things, statements like, I am the bread of life, we begin to realize that, um, you know, that, that's, that's not only a declaration of who he is, but it, is a, it opens up our own understanding of ourselves, the fact that we're built with longing, desire, and hunger innately, and, and yet he declares that he is the one that is able to fulfill that longing that he created in our lives when he formed us and shaped us. And so we've simply said things like in that week, he is the, Jesus is the bread of life, therefore I can be satisfied. I am satisfied. And now my identity begins to take the shape of a person who is not living like most of our world, hungering, wanting, desiring, discontent, looking, longing, from this to that, always, always searching. No, we're people now because 
He is the bread of life. We're connected to him. Our identity is shaped and molded as people that we're satisfied, man. We found, we've tapped into what really meets our needs. And we live each and every day as satisfied, contented people. Not hungry anymore. We also looked at week two, we looked at the idea that he is the vine. Um, And the idea is, Jesus is the vine, therefore I am sourced, or I'm resourced. I'm trying to go with these S words, all right, so you hang with me. I kind of wrestle with these things, but I want it to be something that maybe sticks in your mind. But, um, you know, as he obviously has taken the imagery of, of bread, that, that big deal to the, to, the, uh, to the Jewish nation, that not only when they ate bread were they filled, but so often when they'd eat, they would remember that God had provided rain down manna from heaven for them. And now Jesus is saying, listen, but beyond that, beyond the physical thing I did, I am providing something that meets your deepest need for spiritual bread. But also he taps into this whole thing where they recognized or saw themselves had been characterized as this vine of God that was to reveal to the world around him God's glory and God's ability and God's power, God's beauty. They, Israel, were called to be the vine of God all through the Old Testament. But all through the Old Testament, we see that along with that imagery and that, 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 that giving that characteristic that they always failed at that. It was, it, you can't read through the Old Testament them being a vine without the frustration from God I called you to be the true vine but man you've totally blown it and Jesus comes along and taps into that imagery right and says listen I am the true vine and when he says those words true vine he's saying listen you've been faith you've been unfaithful you've not come through you've not cared but I'm the one who always comes through who is always faithful who is true who is I am the vine that you are always pointing to, and I am the faithful one. And therefore, we can always, always realize that as long as we are connected to him, um, he is the vine, we are the branches, we are sourced, we have everything that we absolutely need. He says in, the, in that section, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing's accomplished except for being connected to Jesus Christ. And remember, the big idea there is 11 times he uses one word, and it's, it's what we need to know. If he's the vine, we're the branches, our only responsibility is to do one thing. What? Remain in him. Stay connected to him. He's source. He's got everything. We don't need to look out we don't, for something else. We don't need to make something happen. All we need to do is stay connected to him. Remain in him. He is the vine. We are the branches and in him we are sourced. And so we are not people that are living without strength. We're, pe- we're not people that are living um, uh, uh, living out of our own resources and, 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 and straining and trying. And we are simply people who have learned to trust and remain connected to the source. And out of that, we have the strength that we need to live out the lives that he's given to us, right? He's the vine, we are the branches. Last week, we looked at um, he's the good shepherd. And, and we kind of went backwards because actually what we're going to talk about today is what he introduced 
before he talked about being the shepherd. It kind of all goes together, but with baptism this week, I wanted to just simply take a few moments and talk about this. But in the good shepherd, he is the good shepherd. And all that, that's a lot of material, right? And I didn't even have a chance to, to get into all of that. And, and I spoke like 50 minutes, 45 minutes last time, and, and some of you were really squirming. I can see you. Um, no. But uh, there's so much stuff there. But really, in essence, what he's communicating to us is he is the good shepherd. Therefore, we are secure. We are secure. We don't live day in and day out. Our identity now is not lived in fear and anxiety, directionless, um, wandering. But in him, as we follow the shepherd, we know his voice. He leads us. And we jumped into, obviously, what uh, Psalm 23 means, how it speaks to us. But really, at the heart of it is we are secure. That's our identity now. Yeah, he's it. Wow, that's who he is. That's great, unbelievable. But what does it mean to me? Well, it's exactly what he was trying to communicate, that you and I can live as people who are secure. So now we'll jump into kind of in the same story, this other declaration that he made and what it means. And I, I got to be honest, of all the seven things that he said, uh, declarations that he made, this is the one that's the most, um, I just want to say, uh, duh. I want to say, what do I do with that? Um, researching this week, I'm like, okay, so I'm studying it out, trying to exegete it out, and then I'm going to, okay, so what are other people saying about it? You know, I'm going to listen to this guy talk about it and this guy talk about it. And I got to be honest, I walked away and not one thing that was said this week, I was like, wow, that's like incredibly profound and powerful. So I'm pretty sure this is the Sunday where I'm just going to give you the duh sermon. All right. But here's the idea. Look at John chapter 10. And this is what he's actually saying. I am God. And I am the door. I am God. And I am the door. Um, again, a lot of ways you could reveal yourself if you're God. Being a door is not one of the ways I would have thought about coming up. Hey, I'm a door. Um, it's something that we overlook. It's inconsequential so often in our daily life. But this is what he says. I am God and I am the door. I won't take you back into the, what the I am means when he says that as he, he grabs what the Father said to Moses and he equates himself as the self-sufficient, eternal, ever-present one. In fact, God's just saying, listen, Moses said, who should, who should I call you? What is your name? And he just says, well, listen, just say I am because it's all about me. What, do you, what else do you say? I am the big deal. I'm it. I am. That's all I can say about myself. And Jesus is saying, guess what? I'm the same. I am the same as the Father. I am. I am the big deal. I am the door. And so here's how it goes. Chapter 10 of John, verse 1. Remember the context. He's healed a blind man. And the religious leaders are so upset about that. And they've actually taken what was incredible and uh, miracle and 
something that should have been celebrated and rejoiced in this community, this man that they had grown accustomed to every day, helping out. You know, uh, if there was something in the way, no doubt his friend or his neighbor walking down, hey, watch out for that. Or uh, this, is some, this is a man they had lived with in their, in their community all of his life, watched him blind, and all of a sudden he can see it should have been celebrated. But the religious uh, community had totally twisted what was great, what was good, what was God, and it twisted it in a way that Jesus is going to take a moment and try to reveal who they are and also what he is all about. And he says this, I tell you the truth, or in other versions, it's amen and amen. And this is a, a way to say, you know, when your parents look at you, now, now listen to me. Or listen up. You know that tone of voice and that look when they say, listen up. That's what Jesus is doing. I tell you the truth. Well, he always spoke the truth. It's just a way of saying, get this. You need to clue into this. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. This is Jesus' way of helping us to understand what the religious people of that time had become. They were associated as thieves and robbers. It, it reminds me of the, uh, the TV series um, uh, Breaking Bad. Um, Breaking Bad is has been a, a really popular TV show in our, in our culture. Um, it won a lot of acclaim, but it's basically about Walter White, right? A bored high school chemistry teacher who discovers that he has stage three lung cancer. And um, he's middle-aged, he's got this cancer. How's he going to deal with this? And what's he going to do? And desperate to provide for his family, he decides as a chemistry teacher to start manufacturing methamphetamines to create a nest egg, right? Um, initially, his goal is, what, 750000 If I can just do this on the side, this illegal stuff on the side, no one will know I'm the suburban teacher. No one knows who I am. I just need to make $750,000. I'll be able to help pay for uh, the mortgage on the house send my kids to college, any other major expenses. As I'm sick, I can make a way. But as the series moves forward, you'll see that the drama focuses on uh, Walter's transformation of his life. He's, he's breaking bad, right? And um, he goes from a frustrated middle-class American trying to figure out, uh, school teacher trying to figure out how to just make ends meet, to a drug kingpin and a cold-blooded killer. And the central question of Breaking Bad is this. What makes a person bad? As the story develops, it's obvious choice Walter decided to become bad. Specifically, he succumbs to the, the sin of pride. Um, you know, initially his pride was submerged under a thin veneer of suburban respectability. But as the show progresses, Walter's pride rises to the surface. And in one of the show's most stunning scenes, Walter chillingly explains to his wife, Skyler, why he's the man in charge when it now comes to Mexican cartels and the drug trade. These are the words he proclaims in that one episode. Who are you talking to right now? Who is it you think you see as he's talking to his wife? Do you see how much I make a year? 
I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ would go belly up. It disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, clearly, you don't know who you're talking to. So let me clue you in. I'm not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No, I am the one who knocks on the door. Walter is no longer some frustrated, bumbling, basically good genius of season one. He's changed, and honestly, we look at him and say, who in the world have you become? And Jesus so clearly is just pulling back the veil on what the religious community of that day had become. So twisted, so self-serving, and so self-centered. And he said, you become a point where you were called to shepherd Israel, right? You were the one who was supposed to lead them in and out, guide them to good pasture, heal their wounds, do all those things we talked about last week. But you now have become thieves and robbers. I think of just a personal application today that goes beyond just making a historical point here is those things don't change even though um, generations change, cultures change, time goes on. Always present in our world, even in our religious culture, is people who have, for whatever reason, have gotten off the tracks and have become self-serving. And in God's eyes, people who, even in the name of Jesus, um, do things, they have really become thieves and robbers. And the point is, any ministry, any person that is about serving themselves and lifting up themselves above the person and the nature, the work of Jesus Christ has become a thief and a robber. They're stealing from the kingdom and they are asking you to place your trust and hope in them instead of the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? You say, I don't know why you're even saying that. I just want to remind you that we are called to be discerning people. And all the time, there are, through what we now have access to, right? You can leave. I realize that a lot of times, I'm like the, probably the 10th sermon you've heard this week. That's a little intimidating when you listen to guys that are really, really good. And then you come in and you listen to me and you're like, yeah. But we have all sorts of access. We're fed all sorts of messages. And I just want to remind you, just as Jesus did, he looked at him and said, guys, you were called the shepherd to lead people to God, and you are not doing that. You are actually serving yourself, and you have become just as a thief or a robber would in the context of a shepherd and sheep. And so he says, well, the man who, the, the, but I tell you, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and the robber. 
The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Calvin Smith shared with me after yesterday, or last week's sermon, um, Calvin has farmed a lot and he had sheep and he had gotten some sheep from a person and they had gotten out and he said, I spent all day trying to corral these stinking sheep. And I couldn't get him to come. I would try to um, do this and that. And it dawned on me, why don't you just call the guy you got him from? He said, the guy I got him from showed up and literally just opened his mouth and spoke. And all those sheep just started to come. I was like, man, I wish I had known that story before I spoke. That's the, the unbelievable thing about sheep is they recognize voice. They follow voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. So therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I really want to just focus on the words of Jesus in chapter, in chapter 8 or 9. I am the gate or I am the door. Ever, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. And I just want to remind you this morning that Jesus declares boldly that not only is he the source of everything, not only is he uh, the bread of life, not only is he the, the one who leads and guides, but quite frankly in this matter of how do I have access to God, how do I know God how do I find what I need in this life as, and pertaining to what do I do with my guilt? What do I do with the, the bad habits of my life? What do I do with my sinful nature, my bent nature, my fallenness? What do I do about that? Where do I go? And Jesus says, listen, it is all found in me. You see, a door does what? A door does, a couple, it does more than a couple things, but a door is an access point, is it not? A door gives access, correct? Um, we really don't think about doors until we lock our keys uh, or we, we lock ourselves out. We don't even pay attention to the door. I don't. I just go right through it, right? As soon as I lock myself out, I'm sitting there trying to figure out how in the world I can get this door to open for me. Doors give access, and Jesus is simply revealing to them that I am absolutely the access point. Sheep don't go in. Sheep don't come out unless it's through me. And in a world where <clears throat> Jesus has kind of been sprinkled into every other thing, right? 
just get a little Jesus in your life along with this, and I follow this and this, and I follow Jesus also, and, and I'm just going to add a little Jesus to the, to the mixture of my life. Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys don't understand. I'm the door. I'm the access. You want to be in the fold of God? You want to be in the family of God? You want to know what it is to be his children, his sheep? Then you come through me. I'm it. And I just want to remind you again today, I know I'm not telling you anything new, but I think my prayer is, especially in this first service, is Lord, help each and every one of us to continue to always be discerning that it all starts and stops everything is in Jesus Christ. And I simply need to, to live my life always realizing that my access to God, my access to the life that I was created to live is through and only through Jesus Christ. He gives access. He gives access. The other thing, though, the door is it does what? It protects. It provides protection, correct? Um, how many of you lock your doors at night? Yeah, right? My insurance guy did tell me, though, um, his philosophy is, if I'm not home, I just leave it unlocked. Um, they can take what they want, right? That's spoken like a good insurance man, right? Because he knows, he knows he has coverage. I won't tell you who my insurance guy is. Um, but yeah, we lock our door at night, don't we? Um, my, my wife's family, um, they don't lock their doors very much, and... and I got to be honest, when I showed up there and started staying there at night, uh, I probably a time or two walked over and locked the door uh, before I went to sleep. Maybe they didn't even realize it, but I was going to make sure the door was locked, right? Because doors provide protection. And just as we saw with the, the kids, just kind of a quick visual imagery of that, Jesus is absolutely saying that in being the door, I provide protection from the wolves the thieves, the robbers. He's saying, I am, I am the protection. Um, uh, I think in, in, in trying to understand how in the world do I convey what he's trying to protect us from, I think there could be a lot that, that could be said. But I think it's mindful for us to remember that in this story Jesus shares in John 10 10 he says there's thieves and the robbers and then there is the thief who comes to rob kill and destroy but I've come that you have my life and have it abundantly right and the thief all of us would understand Jesus was referencing Satan the enemy of our soul the devil the thief and in this, he says, I'm the door. And part of what the door does, I'm the gate. What it does is it protects. And I have the, I have the ability to protect you from even the greatest enemy that you could face. And that's Satan, the enemy of your soul. We know what he does, right? At times, he comes like a roaring lion into our lives, seeking whom he may devour. At other points, the thief comes and, and comes as an angel of light and tries to, to uh, characterize something as okay or right when it's obviously in conflict uh, to the word of God. 
Um, oftentimes, though, he, he just doggedly, he's, he's one who, who tries to sow deception and lies, and he's done that all through our world. He's built our world, this, his kingdom right now, right? Um, he's built it on lies and deception and mistruths. And Jesus promised that is the door. I will protect you. He even says you can go in and come out. I've got my eye on you. I'm going to stand before you. I'm going to stand in the doorway so he can't come in. And when you're out, I've got a mindful eye that I will protect you. Remember David, those beautiful pictures of he killed those animals as a good shepherd protecting his sheep. That's what he's saying here. As the door, I'm the one who protects you always. And I would tell you that maybe you and I don't see it as much as we should. But as spiritual people, inherently spiritual people, more than even physical people, we have a soul that lives forever, never dying. We're eternal beings where it's not gonna matter (laughs) the physical things that we run after right now a 100 years from now in our life. That he's the one that is adequate, the one who is able to provide protection from our greatest enemy, the thief, who comes to rob, steal, kill, destroy our lives through lies, through deception, through oppression, through anything. He is the one who is able to give us protection. And I know a lot of times we probably don't tune in to um, the spiritual warfare that exists in our world. But I will tell you, it is real. It is present. And sometimes I get scared when I think, Lord, Do I even realize all this is going on? And then I think, well, if I don't realize, then it must be Satan has has deceived me to it. He's blinded me to it. And I don't want to ever get that way. Because as sure as I'm standing here this morning, his plan is to destroy your life, to do whatever he can, to sow into your mind lies about God, to mistrust God, to trust in your ability or other man's ability and to move away from depending completely on God, from believing that that Jesus is enough. That's what he's always going to do. He's always going to try to do. Jesus says, I'm the door and I have the ability, if you'll stay with me, if you'll not run off the cliff, if you'll not run from me, But if you'll stay with me and you'll allow me to be the one who houses you and leads you in and out and directs your life, I have the ability even to protect you from the greatest enemy you have. To bring you home, to keep you safe, to provide for all of your needs. And Jesus at his door not only gives us access to God, he's it. We go through him, we got everything we need. But he's the one who provides protection for our lives. That's the one we have today. And Jesus quite simply reminds us of that in this bold declaration. And so our cry, our desire should be, I am going nowhere else except for Jesus Christ. My life must be consumed primarily with staying, being, connected to Jesus because in him I have all the adequate protection I need I have all the access to the father I need in the door
which is Jesus Christ. And so when he says, I'm the door, he's saying, Jesus is the door, therefore, you and I are saved. We're rescued. We're protected from being killed, from being robbed, from being destroyed. Let's stand this morning as we finish and sing this together as we go. We're not singing. We're not singing. (laughs) Guys, just take it easy, relax, all right? Would you just take this with you? Access and protection. Access to the Father, protection from the enemy. That's what he is in the door. That's what we need. Father, this morning it's uh, really simple, nothing profound, yet in this imagery, Lord, you can speak to us. And I know through the power of your Holy Spirit, you've already been doing that. As I've spoken, Lord, you do much deeper and greater work as you speak to people right where they're at. And you show them, hey, this is where you need to trust me. You need to see me. You need to stay connected to me. You need to realize that I'm it. I'm the door. You want access to the Father, it's through me. You want, you want the life God has for you, we'll just chase after and be saturated with Jesus Christ. And Father, we, we really are aware of the fact that we need to be protected. Lord, we, we do that in our own lives by buying things to protect ourselves and security system and insurance plans and, and all that stuff that we build in because we desperately want to feel safe and secure. But in this imagery, you show us that you are the ultimate protection plan and you're the one who protects us from the the most dangerous of enemies, the enemy of our soul, Satan. So Lord, keep us close to Jesus. This week, I pray, keep us close to Jesus. Help us to realize he is absolutely everything. And then when we're we're in him, Lord, we can live as people who are protected who are safe, who are secure. Make that so, I pray, in our lives. I pray these things in the strong, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you this morning. Again, you're welcome to stick around for baptisms next service. Have a great week.